before I was ordained a priest, one of my close priest friends asked me, um, what are you looking forward to when you become a priest? And I told him that, you know, I'm excited to say the Mass. I'm excited to, you know, do some of the sacraments, to just be a witness. But I think most of all, I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing confessions. Just knowing the importance of mercy in my own life, particularly, uh, and then being able to share that with others. And so this priest, he told me a story when he heard his first confession. So he, when he heard his first confession, the person finished, and then they left, and then he left the confessional, and then he began to weep. And he began to cry and to weep because he just realized that it's unbelievable that God would give this grace to sinful men to be able to bestow his mercy to other people. And so for today, we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. And maybe for some of you, you know, it's hard to believe in God's mercy. Sometimes we know of his mercy, maybe, but maybe we don't know the extent of his mercy. Maybe we think, like, yeah, God will forgive me, but maybe not for that. He couldn't forgive me for that, can he? And so sometimes we're like the apostles in the gospel today. They were locked up in the room, afraid for the Jewish authorities. And sometimes we feel like we're locked up in our own hearts, fearful of God, not knowing his mercy. And then sometimes what we do is that we measure God's mercy according to a human view of mercy. You see, because the human view of mercy sometimes can be conditional, right? I'll love you if. I'll love you until. But you see, for God's love, it's boundless. His mercy is boundless. As we hear in the psalm today, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And that's something to celebrate. And that's why I love hearing from St. Faustina. That's where the divine mercy image comes from. St. Faustina had an image of what Jesus was like, and so that's why she painted that image. And she also had visions from Jesus describing uh, what his mercy was like. So he said to her, let the greatest sinners place their trust in my mercy. They have the right before others to trust in the abyss of my mercy. My daughter, Write about my mercy towards tormented souls, souls that make an appeal to my mercy delight me. To such souls, I grant even more graces than they ask. And this is the most beautiful line. Jesus says, I cannot punish even the greatest sinner if he makes an appeal to my compassion. But on the contrary, I justify him in my unfathomable an inscrutable mercy. So just think about that. That even the greatest sinner, God would still forgive them if they come to Him with sorrow, but with trust in His mercy. Because sometimes we have a difficult time still. Because maybe we have a skewed view of mercy. Sometimes we think of mercy more like pity. You know, I don't know if you were a young kid, you play this game called Mercy, and you kind of put your hands out, you lock hands with your friends, and then you try to bend their arms until it hurt, and so they'd have to cry out, Mercy! 
And sometimes we think of God kind of like that too. We come before Him, you know, oh God, have mercy, kind of in that way. But you see, mercy, according to St. John Paul too, he says that this, mercy is an indispensable dimension of love. He says, it is, as it were, love's second name. That's beautiful. Mercy is love's second name. Essentially, what mercy is, is a manifestation of love. Mercy is love poured out to those in misery. That's what at the heart of what mercy is. And so Jesus reveals that to us. He enters into our misery of sin without having sinned himself to save us from sin. And that's how he reveals his mercy to us. And he came to forgive us of our sins so that we can become a new creation. You know, when you read the gospel of St. John, it's a magnificent gospel. What St. John is trying to do is he's trying to compare the work of creation with the work of redemption. So think about it, right? How many days did God work in the work of creation? He worked six days. And on the sixth day, what did the Bible say? It says, and when God finished his work, right, he rested on the seventh day. So you think of Jesus' last week on earth. Right? What does he do? In a way, he works for six days. On Holy Thursday, he gives us the Eucharist. On Good Friday, he pours himself out completely. And then when Jesus is done his work, what does he say? He says, it is finished. And then what does he do on the seventh day? He rests. And then when Jesus rises again from the dead, right, what day does he rise again? On the first day, right? The day when creation began. And then where did this resurrection happen? It happened in a garden, right? Do you, think about, do you remember, remember a garden in the book of Genesis, right? And also you think of as well, what did Mary Magdalene mistaken Jesus for? She mistook him for a gardener. It's crazy, right? Because in a way, God is the first gardener. And so what's, what the gospel is trying to tell us and to teach us is that God is making a new creation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so today, when Jesus comes to see his apostles and disciples, what does he do? He says, peace be with you. And then he breathes on them. And when you think of the book of Genesis, when was the last time God breathed into someone? Right? When he created Adam out of the dust of the earth, he breathed the breath of life into him. And so in the same way, Jesus breathed the new breath of life into us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this breath of life, we can receive that particularly through confession. Confession is where we receive that new breath, where we become a new creation. So that's why in confession, sometimes I'll go, no, I don't do that. That's really weird. But what I will do is I'll put my hand up like this, right? And it's in a way calling down the Holy Spirit because that Spirit is going to make you a new creation. You see, St. Margaret, she lived in the Middle Ages and she longed for the affection of her father but she couldn't receive it. So she turned to other men and she fell into the arms of other men. 
And eventually she moved in with the Duke of Earl, and they were not married. And so one day this Duke of Earl, he was hunting, and he owed a lot of debts to many people. And so these people were searching for him in the forest. And when they found him, they killed him. And Margaret, she was at home. She was wondering what was going on. And so eventually she came out to try to find him. And then when she found him, two thoughts immediately came to her mind. The first was deep sorrow for someone she lost, that she loved. But the second was, she thought to herself, well, his soul is somewhere. And I don't know all of his sins, but I know some of his sins because I was with him. And so at that moment, she had a profound conversion in her own life. And then she began to go to confession. But as each and every one of us knows, going to confession doesn't help us overcome our sins right away. And so she would go over and over again, struggling with the same sin. And eventually she was freed after five years. And then she dedicated her life to serving the poor. And one day as she was praying, she had a vision of Jesus. And in this vision, Jesus was showing her her place in heaven. And then when she saw her place in heaven, she began to weep because she felt so unworthy. Because you know where the place that Jesus showed her place was? It was among the virgins. And she felt so unworthy. But then Jesus took her head in his hands, lifted her eyes to his, and he said to her, Margaret, you are my beloved daughter. And I have taken your sins as far as the east is from the west. I have made you pure as snow. And I made you new. And that is exactly where you belong. And now Margaret is known as Saint Margaret. And so truly, God makes all things new. And so today, in order to receive that mercy... We just need to trust. Jesus says to St. Faustina, Tell all people, my daughter, that I am love and mercy itself. When a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with such an abundance of graces that it cannot contain them within itself, but radiates them to other souls. And so today I encourage you to really trust in God's infinite mercy, to know that He can forgive all of your sins. But we need to come to him with contrition, with sorrow, but also with absolute trust in the Heavenly Father's heart. And also having received his mercy, we too are also called to bestow this mercy to others.